Welcome, everybody, to Catterday Checkdown. My name is Jordan Mathis. I'm here with Braden Neviews and special guest Dylan Ballard. Guys, how are y'all doing? I'm doing great. Um, we're 3-0, and coming off of a 35-3 to victory. And honestly, I'm just excited to be back uh, doing this podcast. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus, uh, thanks to some things, but we won't get into that. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited to be back. Man, I'm doing good. I just won by 30 points and I'm peed off. And, <laughs> no, I'm just, uh, I think that we, um, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here and uh, thank you guys for having me on the show. Hey, we're 3-0. and That's what matters. Uh, that's what you wanted to be out of this. Hopefully you can be 4-0 coming out of next week and then we can get on into the to the tough stuff as some of it's looked like. So I'll, uh, I'll shut up and throw it back to Jordan, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Of course, and uh, I just want to let everyone know, Jacob, I believe, is, a par- is apartment shopping right now. So uh, he couldn't make it with us tonight. Decided to bring you on, Dylan. You've been around. You've been in touch, honestly, a lot more than me these past couple of weeks. So um, great to have you on, man. I know we had you on last year at some point. I can't remember what game it was that we were previewing, but but we're back. Of course, um, Braden knows how much I have adored Vanderbilt. Um, throughout the entire offseason. So as we, as and, we and lead up to see how that's going, don't we? <laughs> as we lead up to Saturday, it's good to have so, uh, another person that's that's around the program as, as, as much as you are. So, um, guys, we haven't, like like you said, Braden, we haven't been on in three weeks. Um, and so, Braden, we'll start with you, man. What have you seen from the – what is your big – you look at the landscape of Kentucky football right now. What sticks out to you? What can Kentucky improve on, and what can, what is Kentucky good at right now going into SEC play against Vanderbilt this Saturday? What sticks out to me the most, and I'm sure this will be the kind of the constant whenever you guys talk about it as well, it is just the undisciplined play. Uh, and, of course, more specifically, I'm talking about offensively. Um, you know, week one, week two, and week three, it just seemed like there was always something – that Kentucky would do to mess up a drive or, you know, shoot themselves in the foot from really taking to taking a game and making it a blowout. Um, but it's just – to me, at this point, it's just something you kind of have to expect with these Mark Stoops teams. Uh, when Kentucky plays a MAC school or an FCS school that's not really up to par, they just don't play well. And I don't think that's going to carry over, per se, into SEC play because I think, <clears throat> excuse me, once Stoops and his coaching staff kind of gets into the meat, meat and uh, potatoes of the schedule, they kind of hanker down a little more and, uh, and get, get these guys galvanized. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really, for me, it's just the undisciplined play. I mean, we are t- – to me, Kentucky is so close to being a really, really good football team. Defensively, I think, you know, I, I thought Saturday was by far our best p- performance defensively. Um, I, I think defensively, we're, if not there, we're really close. And then offensively, I feel like we're like, ugh, it, it just aggravates me because I see it. You, you know what I mean? I, I see the plays that are there, I see what's there to be had. And then, you know, there's a holding call on Jagger Burton that prevents. Uh, you know, 50-plus yard touchdown to Anthony Brown. There's there's just all these really, really easily fixable mistakes that are that just build up over time and you get frustrated. 
And, uh, you know, Liam Cohen's talked about it. Mark Stoops has talked about it. And um, I really do believe that it's all going to work out in the long run. But as a fan and as someone, and I'm sure the coaches feel the same way, it's just really aggravating to know how much potential is there and watch yourself shoot yourself in the foot. Because it, it's nothing that Ball State did. It's nothing that EKU did. It's nothing that Akron did. It's stuff that we didn't or that Kentucky didn't do or, you know, messed up or whatever. So um, moving forward, just getting those mistakes down to a minimum are, is going to be very crucial. And then one little note I will add about the Akron game. Um, leading into the Akron game, we had heard that, you know, Kentucky was going to work on um, kind of speeding up the process of getting their offensive play calls in because, you know, that had been an issue the first two games. And then, of course, we had the unfortunate situation with Liam Cohen, um, who was hospitalized for a few days. Thankfully, he was released and seems to be doing well now. Uh, but I really think that that whole situation threw off what they were trying to work on. And, of course, he ended up calling the plays in the booth on Saturday, which is something that, you know, we're not used to. So, um, hey, Braden, uh, yeah. did you see – and I, I know that – I didn't mean to interrupt you, but – No, you're fine. Have you – did you see that Kentucky has um, averaged five plays less – um, this year with the new rule, um, as opposed to the co- the national um, average right now, is, is they're losing about eight plays. Now, that being said, of course, we know how slow Rich Gangarillo's offense was last year Definitely. and how slow at times so far this year Kentucky's offense has been really slow. So that's another thing that I'd like to see moving forward. Definitely. And like you said, I think there's a couple things that play into that. Like the rule change is definitely one of them. I mean, it seems to me – like uh, uh, UK games go by faster than any other game on, 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 like in the country. Because I remember on Saturday night, the UK game went off at, a, what, about 10.20, 10.30 at the latest, and I flip over to BYU-Arkansas, and they're just starting the fourth quarter. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, I mean, th- these Kentucky games, uh, like if, if they're played the way that Stoops wants to play them, then, then they're probably going to barely make it to three hours or be a little under three hours, which – Seems really odd for college football, but yeah. Um, so I think the whole Liam Cohen situation kind of threw a kind of threw a little uh, hitch in what they had planned for the week. Of course, there's nothing you can do about that, and our main priority is just that we're happy that he's okay. So, uh, but yeah. Um, but overall, I think there's a lot to be uh, um, excited about, just as long as we can get those little things fixed. How about you, Dylan? So for me. If you look at this game, you know, Mark Stoops walks in. Uh, looking back at the recap, of course, we'll get into Vandy. I'll get into Vandy in a minute. But looking at the recap, of course, um, I think you look at this game, Mark Stoops said, uh, you scored on five of ten possessions. And good, isn't it? But then you look yeah. at what you left on the table is what Mark, word for word, what Mark said. Um, the thing to me is that kind of worries me is it's the same issues, right? It's drop balls, and it's a few guys on the O-line with the offense. The defense looked good. There's a few things that they need to clean up, but they'll clean that up. At, I mean, do you guys trust Brad White? I sure do. Yeah, um, I definitely. <laughs> and I do trust Liam Cohen. I'm not saying that, but the, we've seen some glaring issues. I don't like the O-line being a problem back-to-back years. Drops weren't a problem last year, but they seem to be a problem this year. Uh, getting the play calls in, I think there's a learning curve there. Um Penalties have been a problem. That's not a thing. So the fact the three things that worry me 
And I'm not as worried as everybody else. I do think there's a risk, and I talked a little bit about this before. Constantly, I know we they're tough and they need to be men, but like constantly telling these guys how bad they've been when you've covered twice, and the other one was more of a a bad start with a fumble and a, and a you know a fluky punt, and that kind of got you behind the eight ball early. Like you you do have two thirty point wins, and the other one you scored on four straight possessions to end the game. You just kind of had a wacky start. Uh, bad possessions are going to happen, but it doesn't need to happen in the way that it did. I think it's more of what it could be. And I think there's a bigger picture thing there for me of like Mark Stoops wanting to break through that wall, I think, of the next level. You know what I'm saying? I think the fact that we're nitpicking one and two possessions here and there, I think I think there's a thing of like, are we going to break through this or is this the ceiling? And I'm not saying I think it is. I think Mark sees it like let's break through that wall We've done the nine wins a couple of times. We got, you know, we won, we got 10 if you count the ball game a couple of times. But like great teams don't look like this on a couple of possessions against bad teams. I I take the thing of like the stance of like the thing that I kind of worry about is I'm three, three games in and I really don't know much about this offense. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I think the thing we do know a lot about our defense is is the people who really – the casual fan will just say, oh, my gosh, look how good Trevin Wallace is. I mean, if the season ended today, Trevin Wallace would be the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's awesome. But I think a lot of credit goes to that he's playing behind Deion Walker because if you stand on the field where I stand, uh, you see that they're doubling him a lot. And Trevin's great. I'm not trying to take anything away from it. But that there's a force up front. We did see some questions at safety, which I thought might be the strongest room if you take out the corners and split up the safety and corners, I thought the safeties may be the strongest room in the whole building. Jordan Lovett looked awesome. Most everybody had uh, Zion Childress as maybe the breakout player of the year. You're bringing back Jalen Geiger. You know what I mean? Like, there's a How lot. about a quarter having Maxwell Harrison? I mean, he has shown yeah. up to to play huge these, these first three weeks. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, why? He looked like a linebacker against Akron. <laughs> yeah, so – and then Alex Safari and Keaton Wade have looked – awesome at nickel uh so i think you know get some safety questions figured out and kind of figure out the defensive front rotation and maybe some of the linebackers stepping up in some areas and i think the defense is going to be top 15 in the country again uh so you know special teams has been good outside of a. uh am i wrong is it just the whiff block on the punts or is there another special teams play this year that's been bad oh the I punt against eku i mean that was just a dude missed a block yeah i mean the only thing that the only, the only other thing I can think of is that false start that took us out of, you know, field goal range when, uh, yeah. against Akron. But other than that, and he, but, you know, that he kind of short on that field goal. Yeah, yeah, he was short it's on a that good field goal. Thing. Honestly, it was a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And but so, so Special teams has been really uh, a huge improvement. Uh, I, so I, I think really you're a few offensive plays away. I, like I said, I'm not one of those participation trophy kind of guys, but like, I do think there's a sense of panic, and I know in fan bases, and people say, well, it's just around here. I don't think it's just the Kentucky fan base. I I dove, dove into some message boards for Alabama fans. They're panicking, too, and they, I know they've <laughs> lost the game. But you like, picked one heck of a school to start to yeah, compare that yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, I was looking at Texas message boards who just beat Alabama, and they ain't won games in years. And just because they had a slow start against Wyoming, some of them were ready to burn the building down last night. Yeah. I think that's in a social media world where everybody has a voice. Like, I think that that's just common. Uh, but so most fan bases are hot or cold. I mean, go look at Knox for right now. I bet that place is about to burn down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. But all I kind of hope is, it does. 
Yeah. All jokes aside, <laughs> I think that the thing to worry about, and I think you can see this if you really dig into what Mark Stoops is saying, is that the issues are the same issues every week. It'd be different if you're scoring on six out of ten possessions and it's like, oh, shoot, we had a hold here, and then Leary threw a bad pass here. But then the next drive, Ray Davis missed a block. No, it's the O-line and receivers dropping passes, and that's the same thing every time. Like, Dingle's fumble, that's going to happen when you're getting drugged down by five or six guys, and that's just bad luck. He goes out the next drive and catches one across the middle for 35. Like, that's – you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to eliminate every bad play. But I think, guys, I mean, not to call out one player, but you are missing Horsey at one of the tackle at guard positions. Um, the right tackle position, I would have liked to seen more out of Ford and a little more out of Flax in the run, I mean, in the pass protection. But, I mean, center is the biggest question, guys. And I think if we wasn't talking about a – you know, the kid wasn't so great there, and that's kind of what I'm going to leave it at. I think you would be even seeing more stuff on social media about that position than you are. So, to me, let's get the O-line fixed and get some of these star receivers to quit dropping balls, and I think we're good. But those are two big ifs because we've seen it in three straight games, so that's the same problem. Jordan, Dylan, you're leading. Jordan, go ahead. Hey, for a second, I do want to piggyback off of one thing that Dylan said, talking about how Stoops, you know, being kind of peed off at, at, at the world right now, it seems like. And uh, to me, there's a very good reason why. Because, I mean, I think he looks around, you know, like the rest of the SEC and sees that everything Kentucky wants is there for the taking. I mean, Tennessee is not looking great. Florida, I, and, and I know they picked up that big win on Saturday, but, I mean, we're just a few weeks removed from that awful performance at Utah. Uh, Alabama is obviously very much down. Georgia – uh, As I predicted, hold yeah, on, Dylan. Or hold on, hold on, uh, hang, uh, Jordan. Give me my flowers. Give me my flowers. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Georgia. While I do think they'll eventually get it together, where we're kind of catching them here here in a few weeks. Uh, uh, we, you know, that game could be competitive in my opinion. Uh, Missouri has looked slightly better than advertised, but then Mississippi State looked awful against SEC competition. South Carolina. Um, you know, gave up nine sacks in game one. Um, Louisville's looked pretty good, but that's against spotty competition as well. So, moral of the story here is, I mean, I think every game on Kentucky's schedule, th- like, there is a there is a world where Kentucky can win all of those. Now, is it going to happen? I don't think so. But th- I think Stoops sees that. And he, and he knows that the potential of this team is there. So that's why he's on these guys 24-7 about, you know, like all the little things. Because he sees an opening in this very much down SEC. And to me, that SEC East crown is there for the taking if Kentucky can get this thing figured out. Yeah. And, and I'll start with my good and bad uh, from Saturday. Guys, how long has Kentucky fan, have Kentucky fans been – looking forward to have a tight end room that can make some plays. Because those those boys look really good on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, even Isaiah Cummings, he, he he came out and had a couple of plays. Jordan Dingle looked amazing besides that one that one tackle that uh, they poked the ball free uh, on the – or it ended up rolling into the end zone. Um, who else? Josh Caddis had that first drive touchdown. I mean – and he, he made plays after that too. I mean, going into the third and fourth quarter. I mean, we saw a group that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, on the defensive end, 
I think Tyrese Fearby and Martez Thrower looked amazing. Um, and, and we talked a little bit um, about some of our about some of our defensive backs and everything, but those guys looked amazing. And you keep that that energy and some of those guys that we haven't seen really at all. Um, and I think it's only going to make that defense not just the inside or outside. It's both both groups at that linebacker position. Um, Dylan, you, you mentioned how good that the the nickel spots looked. Um, really, I, I don't think there was much of a. Um, now you had your your plays here and there where um, you gave up you gave up or possessions. I guess you didn't really give up a whole lot of chunk plays, um, which is what you want to see out of a Mark Stoops defense. So um, really impressed on defense. I will say, and Dylan, you're right. I don't want to call anybody out. But the way that um, we saw Jagger play, I, I do not think is acceptable. And I hope that gets turned well, around. Well, Liam said that, right? Liam said, and I'm not trying to interrupt yeah. you, but Liam said that. Said that's like he played better in the second half, but the way he's playing is not acceptable. I do think there's a sense of like you did get off kilt for two years there in recruiting without Slarman and without the way that, that, that offensive transition went. I think they think he's the best option. I know everybody says just switch Eli Cox over, but then you make yourself weak at two positions because Eli Cox did okay at center last year. And I know it was in a tough offense, but guys, Eli Cox is on track to be an All-American or I mean an All-SEC player at guard. Do you really want to kind of weaken yourself at a position? I really like – And not only that, like you're in such a rhythm at um... – a position as fragile as an offensive line uh, when it comes to technique. And is that something you really want to make, you know, a quarter of the way through the season? Because that's a lot to ask for somebody on the, you know, in the drop of a dime. Um, and, and we've seen it with, with um, Horsey before. I mean, just moving positions around like that on that offensive line is never really a good, a good solution. So I agree, Dylan. Oh, so here's the thing, guys. I, I think that – I think – I don't have the answer. I'm not in practice every day. But I, I do think there becomes a thing, too, with this program where we don't really need to just get – I know these guys know they're switchable on O-line. But, like, last year Mark Stoops said, we're at a position now. We're not playing guys at the position. We're playing the best five. That's not a place you want to be in the SEC. People hear that. They can negative recruit that. And I know it worked with Fortner, but like you can do, you need to make these position changes based off potential. When we seen Darian Kennard move, guys, it was, and they end up moving him back. It's because the NFL told him you will be a better right tackle than left tackle. So they moved him to right tackle for that reason because they thought he could project better. That thing with Luke Fortner, you can be better at center. That the reason they moved Cox back to guard, you can be better at guard. But last year it got to the point where Horsey is not a tackle, and he was playing tackle to try to get our best five out there. We need to we need to get to a place as a program again where we're not doing that, but where we're playing guys where they're best at and not where the team fits them. And I know it's a team game, but guys, when we're in the SEC, we have to recruit at that level, right? It Like Jagger's body's built, his mindset, the kids, I've met the kid. He's a great kid. He's very smart, homegrown, the hardest worker you've seen. So I think that's why they gave up on it either because there's nobody – it's different than a kid who's struggling not putting forth the effort. It's just a kid struggling, and they thought he'd be better at center. This was to benefit him. So we have to get to that place. Maybe trying Tanner Bowles is the is, is an option there. 
I know on the depth chart he's listed as a backup. You know, your center for the future is out there and and Keenum, but he's a, he's a true freshman. I think it's easy to sit back and go bench Jagger, but like, okay, well, then you come up with the solution to bench Jagger because yeah. there's going to be a lot of value when you get in the SEC play when Horsey's back of sandwiching whoever's playing center between Cox and Horsey if that's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know. It's easier said than done, but I tell you one thing that's going to work, not work, two, two, two holding calls, a false start, and four bad snaps. That's not, against Akron. That's sure not going to work. So they have to figure out something. And I trust Mark Stoops and Liam Call, but you better figure it out this week because Florida looked dang good. Yeah, and um, Dylan, you hit on something. Just talking about the way, going back to what you were saying, the way that, that um, these guys can switch around. And it's – I mean, we saw it with Cortland Ford. I mean, his whole time at, at uh, USC, his entire career as a football player, I think even going back to high school, he was playing on that left side. And, we, and, and Dylan, you and I talked to him at media day, and he said, he said it's like trying to wipe with your opposite hand, which I thought was a funny <laughs> quote. But, I mean, if you think about the technique, like it's all exactly switched. And as a left-handed person, I can tell you that cannot be easy. <laughs> so, I mean, just trying to um, – go through everyday life using my left hand it sucks so i can just imagine trying to um do something you love in football and and just completely switch on how you're doing it so um and 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 yeah you're you're right i don't really see an easy solution stoops talked about it a little bit today um maybe we do see tanner bowls he said that that's a decision that you know that's to be made still do i think he starts no i don't but if you i think if you come out and you see, like, the bad snaps that we saw. That um, – was it a wheel – no, it wasn't a wheel route. The, the touchdown pass that got called back for hold, he had that's, – that's just a simple mistake that you can't make. And I, I know you're only a sophomore, but, I mean, he had a full hand in somebody's jersey. And I don't think that – I don't think that guy was getting to the quarterback regardless. I don't think Larry was going to get sacked for that because – we um oh no we just lost Braden. <laughs> well, Leary was uh, already out of the pocket, and yeah, and and Leary was already out of the pocket. The pocket had kind of collapsed. He's kind of keeping all intangibles alive, all the stuff, right? And then 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 you make that hold on a, what was a double team at one point. Why why is that happening? Yeah. And somebody said it was a bad yeah. call. I I was standing maybe ten feet away from it. I don't think it was a bad call. I think he held him. And that was not a bad call. No, that was not a bad call. And <laughs> that was plain thing, as day. It, I do, I'm trying to watch myself because not like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. I don't want to hard go hard on these. I know they get paid now, but, like, I don't want to just sit and hound on kids the whole time. I don't want to – I wouldn't want somebody just hounding on me when I make right. mistakes. But Right. So, it's more let's, – let's say this needs to get fixed. A false start, guys, is just not acceptable from somebody playing center. You, you hold the snap count in your hand. I know you're getting kind of – you're having a lot of IDs to make and those kind of things that – we have to get past that. And Vandy could beat you this week. I don't think they will. I think they're struggling a little bit. They're missing Ray Davis. They're missing a running quarterback. They're missing, you know, they're throwing the ball around a lot. They can score some points. But I think our defense is going to hold them. I think their defense is really struggled. But, guys, we got to get this fixed. This is one more week where I think you could have some air. And then, you know, and I don't know if Florida's great or if they just had a good week in the swamp. But still, you've got to get this stuff fixed because I tell you, there's a team waiting on you, Missouri, after Vandy, that did look good, that has looked good. And also, like 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 he said, there's a lot laying on the table, guys. 
that Jordan, if we continue some of these offensive line struggles and our two playmakers don't get it figured out, this team could go five and seven or they could still go 10 and two because this is so open this year with the schedule. Tennessee looks bad. Bama looks bad. Mississippi State looks worse than they've ever looked. And it's 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 all there. It's South Carolina has looked really bad on that O-line, and I think our D-line could eat them up. Louisville has only – I know they've won three games, but they have the easiest schedule in the country. They've looked bad. Indiana's bad, and they barely beat them. Guys, it's all on the table, so we have to get this stuff figured out. But here's my worry is I don't think we're going to, and I'm not trying to be a downer. I think I'm a little more positive this year than everybody else is right now. But if you've – O-line issues in three games – Coming back fixes that, but I, I'm uncertain about that right now. So maybe they work through it and can win some games through it because Ray Davis has looked good. You know, Tavion Robinson's looked good, and that defense is going to keep you in games. And Leary, yeah, absolutely. Looked, and I think Leary's looked dang good. I know he some has. people don't like it. I think you know, bad quarter here or there, but I think he's really starting to get settled in. And and we see you see what we have out of Barryon and, and Dane. It's not like they don't have it in them. Um. But like you said, I mean, it goes back to maybe a little bit of personnel issues, a little bit of formation, how how they're getting used, um, and especially like you said, maybe a little bit of Barry on, um, just in terms of of um, you know getting the ball in his hands. It, it, it's a lot easier said than done, but at the same time, that's what Liam Cohen is known for. I mean, you, you go back to twenty twenty one, where let's be honest, a lot of what Leon Liam Liam Cohen had that year was Wandell, and that was. Uh, a little bit of Josh Ali and um, maybe some Isaiah Cummings, but there wasn't a whole lot. Um, and I mean, you just look across that roster. I mean, you got guys that that can compete from top to bottom and position groups as a whole. Um, I mean, it's, it's an extremely deep team. Um, but, but Braden, what are your thoughts, man? I mean, do, do you see a world in which, Kentucky gets this thing back on track. I mean, what what do you think it's going to take? Because, like you said, don't man, I, I don't want to make comparisons, especially when it comes to Ray Davis, because I know he hates it. But man, does he not look a lot like Boom Williams? <laughs> um, well, first of all, uh, I apologize if I miss anything. My uh, my technology uh, decided that it did not want me to talk about the offensive line again. Um, <laughs> but. Um, but as far because thank you, <laughs> from, like from what I gathered, I guess you guys were still talking about the old line when I got booted off. Um, I think, uh, and and may God rest his soul. I really think that like that that O line room just has not recovered since the passing of John Schlarman. Uh, I think you know, you know. Well, they were good in twenty one. Well, but yes, but that was a lot of Schlarman's guys still. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, like they were good in 21, but, uh, um, I think a but lot even of people, I, I thought, I thought that, um, uh, the transfer looked really good as well. I mean, it, it, it was, like uh, whole, yeah, yeah. They're, they're from LSU. I mean, he, he yeah, looked like he was apart. Yeah. But I mean, but also he was playing the position that he was in, intended to be playing. Um, sure. so, I mean, there's a lot of things that have played into the, uh, the offensive line woes, and I'm sure you guys touched on them while I was gone. But um, as far as the team as a whole goes, um, I know Dylan just said that he doesn't think that we're going to be able to get it turned around. Um, I I think we – I think Kentucky can get it turned around, and I think it's in part because of what I said earlier, like the SEC in general being down. Because really, I mean, a lot of these teams are going through 
similar issues that Kentucky is. Uh, you know, this is not uh, this is not the SEC of 2019 or heck even last year. Um, this is a very down conference, unfortunately, uh, and um, I think that will help Kentucky in the long run. Uh, but as far as the growing pains go, I I think it would have benefited Kentucky to play like say like a week two game against Missouri or a week two game against Florida or like however we usually do. Uh, yeah. I don't really like these back to back to back playing you know inferior competition because I don't think you find out a whole lot. Um, and so I think this week is uh, to me this week is really where you can start to grade what this team really is. Uh, as far as um, as far as these past th- three weeks goes, obviously you, we've talked about already, but uh, the mistakes are worrisome, and you know some of the missed um, assignments and whatnot. You know there's certainly glaring issues, um, but uh, I mean these first three weeks, Kentucky has been focused on themselves, and now that they have to kind of prepare for an opponent. And I'm not saying they didn't prepare for their opponents. I'm saying, you know, usually these three games, you know, you're more talented, you have better physicality, you have um, all that good stuff. You can kind of focus more on what your team's going to do than preparing for an opponent. Now that you kind of get into SEC, you're going to – I think the guys will get more excited and more focused knowing that they're preparing against somebody rather than just trying to better themselves. And so – I think some of the mistakes will kind of uh, play themselves out. And, you know, it all comes with experience. Uh, even uh, – I know we have some experienced guys, but a lot of this team is also transfers and younger players as well. Um, so it's just one of those things to me. And Do you uh, think it's, it's it's more of the offense just not finding their niche? Uh, certainly, and uh, that's certainly some of it. And, I mean – Let's be – I mean, going back to the Ball State game, that game in general was just weird. I mean, it felt like the offense was barely on the field. And, I mean, it's just Kentucky, especially in the EKU game and the Ball State game, not so much against Akron, but Kentucky kind of unexpectedly kind of got behind the eight ball. And I think some things changed in the game in the game plan, especially against EKU, because that's it was basically 7 nothing the entire first half. And I think some guys started to press a little bit. Um, but I think moving forward, um, I'm not, uh, okay. I'm not, not worried, but I'm not as worried as some folks are. Um, I still feel good about this team being an eight to 10 win team. Um, I'm not ready to hop off that bandwagon yet. Um, uh, and I say that because to me, we, to me, we have one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC and, you know, you can look at stats or you know qbr ratings whatever you want to look at or devin leary has has done his job pretty darn well other than a few quarters here and there uh, he's got what eight touchdowns on the year eight 850 yards and three picks um and you know some of those aren't necessarily on him um so i think i think we have one of the best quarterbacks in the sec i think we have one of the best defensive rooms in the sec uh, I think our wide receiver talent is there. Now, of course, talent doesn't, you know, result in uh, performance on the field. But I, I think that given the criticism and given um, what's taken place over these past few weeks, I think that, that they'll get their act together. T- to me, and the same thing as last year, right, 
it's all going to come down to that offensive line, and which uh, Horsey was not on the depth chart this week. I don't know if you guys mentioned that or not. Um, no, you, you're right. Uh, Horsey is, which I was kind of expect. I, I expected this to be the week that he returned, but obviously that's not going to be. Does that worry you? Yes, it does. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I've been very, very impressed by Dylan Ray. I think even with Horsey out, he's been one of our best offensive linemen. Um, but, um, but uh, yes, it is certainly a, a slight worry not having him again. And it, it just makes me worry, is this injury a little more serious than what Stoops had alluded to at first? Uh, but hopefully next week he'll be back on that depth chart. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this all comes down to the O-line. Um, I feel like we've had moments of, of greatness and then we've just had moments of we're back in 2022 and it's all going to come down to really that center position. And uh, you know, I, I don't want to beat up on Jagger too much. Cause like you guys said, he, he seems like a really good guy. He's a local kid uh, who really wants to do well. I mean, but this is new to him. And I mean, we're, we're, we're just having to work through the, through the knots right now. And uh, you, you just have to hope that now that he's gotten three weeks under his belt, that he's starting to see things a little better and he can learn from his mistakes and get ready for SEC play. So I still have a cautiously optimistic view on the rest of the year, but um, certainly a lot of things have to get ironed out quickly. So, guys, I'm, I want to get your guys' takes on this because to me it feels like if anybody in the SEC um, should be used to the, the kind of way that um, – college football is forcing these guys to play, which is a lot more like the NFL due to this new rule that Stoops even mentioned today. Because at first, um, I think it was the week leading up to um, the season, Dylan, or maybe maybe it was media day, um, and, and, and maybe you can refresh my brain because it's been a little bit. But uh, Stoops was asked about the, uh, the new rule with, you know, play clock rolls um, until, the, until two minutes. And uh, at halftime and in the game, and he, he didn't think at all it was going to have any kind of any, any kind of effect. And I don't know how much you've listened to him tonight, but I think he went on the call-in show and, and was asked about it. And he was like, "Yeah, that's that that's definitely hurting us." Um, but with 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 my question, don't you think Liam Cohen should be more adjusted to that? And why do you guys think we haven't seen that yet? Because I'm. I would be under the assumption that we would see that we would see a lot more from him. Um, and I'm, it, it's not about just this week. It's about all season. So I, I know he's had his medical issue and I'm glad he's okay. Um, and, and, and I do trust him moving forward, but I just feel like, you know, we, he's been more accustomed to it, especially as a quarterback's coach, a position in which you need to know what that play clock is at at all times, uh, making adjustments on and off the field. Um, what are your guys takes on that? I think that the it hurt them. But I'm not trying to be harsh, but like that's I think the rules ain't did nothing that that isn't fixable. Like those rules aren't causing Dane to drop a ball oh, thirty five yards downfield. Yeah. Like you yeah. know what I'm saying? And I know Mark's yeah. talked about it getting in a flow and like you look up and the th- it's over and the, this but like I think the issues we're talking about, like that's not causing a center to get a false start. You know what I'm saying? I think that's not yeah. causing him to throw it over his head. I, I have, I know people are lo- loving to graph about that on social media, 
And I, I get where Mark's coming from, but I think we wouldn't be talking about those things if we weren't snapping the ball over his head or we weren't dropping passes. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm not trying to yeah. debuttle what you're saying. I think yeah. get the, I think that that is playing a different role on the way the scoring should be looked at and not all that kind of stuff. But I'm, I, I think that if we got those issues fixed, we wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah, uh, I certainly agree. But one thing I mean, one thing I will say is I hope moving forward Kentucky will try to add some more t- tempo into their play calling because I mean, yes, I'm sh- I'm sure you guys have. I mean, especially in like the you know two minute drills, four minute drills, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Devin Leary looks very comfortable when Kentucky's going a little up tempo, and um, and I know that's never been Stoops' mantra to you know play fast and. You know, if it was up to him, like a football game would be about an hour and a half. Um, but um, I, I think Kentucky needs to play with a little more tempo because, uh, one, it would provide more uh, more possessions in the game uh, given that, you know, you're not spending as much time. Uh, B, um, I think it would help some of these uh, – and I'm, I'm, I'm sure – some may say otherwise, but I feel like going up tempo would kind of maybe uh, help uh, decrease some of these pre-snap penalties, the false starts and whatnot, because uh, you're more go 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 instead of you know patiently waiting for the you know for the cadence and whatnot. Um, and maybe may it may force the defenses to press more, causing causing more open open sure. for Dane to maybe get back in his rhythm. Definitely. So um so I think. Uh, moving forward, I hope for a little more tempo, and I think part of that has to do with you know them figuring out like the timing of the play calling because you know like I mentioned earlier, like Stoops talked about you know trying to get that uh, under control and getting the play calls in a little more efficiently and more quickly. And like I said, I think you know you kind of got to take this past week with a grain of salt considering the like the Liam Cohen situation. So um, so hopefully this week that all kind of gets ironed out. And um, and uh, to me, Stoops is going to have to, which sometimes he's been good about this and other times he hasn't, he's going to have to kind of change his mind on how this team needs to, you know, needs to play. You know, this isn't your ground and pound, you know, hand the ball to Chris Rodriguez or Benny Snell uh, and play p- possession uh, or, you know, play possession football. This team is better – to me, this team is better when 13 has the ball in his hands and uh, and and getting number one and number seven in space. Um, <laughs> Braden, can I, I got to stop you. That play, the the screen to, to Ray, that was phenomenal. Yeah, he had like absolutely. four guys touching him at some point in absolutely. the backfield, and he yeah. cut that off. And I know it's a screen. You're, the, the offense is supposed to hedge a little bit and move out left or wherever the screen's going. But – I, I don't think that can excuse. He had four guys on him, and that play ends up fifty yards down the down uh, the field and into the end zone. I I couldn't believe it watching that live. Yeah, I, I like that was so far like the best play of the season. And I mean, to me, it happened. And thanks to our two best players so far offensively, and you can throw Tavian Tavian on Tavian in there as well. Um, but um, to me, like I said, this team offensively is going to be at its best when number 13 has the ball in his hands. And, um, and you know, that's not what really Coach Stoops is used to. Um, even when we had Will Levis, you know, we were 
still a ground and pound team with Sea Rod, and we you know do play action and bootleg and all that stuff. But uh, to me, that's not really how this team needs to function. Um, get the ball to your receivers. Uh, get Dane Key more comfortable. Uh, get the ball in Bayon Brown's hands at any means necessary, and uh, and just let your play playmakers make plays. Uh, you know, if we can't get Ray Davis involved in the run game, then get him involved in the screen passing game. You know, I mean, it's basically an extension of the run game. We saw it on the first play of the game. We saw it, you know, on that uh, amazing touchdown later on in the game. Uh, to me, this team just needs to get get up and down the field more, uh, get more tempo, and just get – I know it's going to sound like a simple, but – just get the playmakers the ball and let's go. Uh, this is not ground and pound football. It's not. And uh, I know Stoops wants it to be, but he's got to change his mind on that. Because if, if honestly, if he doesn't, that's when I get worried that we go six and six, seven and five. Uh, so yeah. So, so that's my take on that. Dylan, you have anything, Ned? Uh, yeah, I, I think that the. I think the run game is going to continue to struggle. I just don't think this team's going to really run block well. I know that we see like the yards per carry, but a lot of that's big plays, guys, the breakaway plays. I think Ray Davis yeah. is good. He's got to focus really on hitting holes. Um, and I think like, you know, he's break off. Oh, he's got this many yards rushing. He's doing great. And I think, and that's not his fault, but we've got to make him some holes. So it's not just the big plays. You know what I'm saying? And I know he's not yeah. going to be a Chris Rodriguez carrying somebody five yards. We have to get some opening to where we don't have to pass the ball every single play or hit on a big run to make it beneficial. Um, so I think, you know, but it always all goes back to the offensive line. And to me, I think we're going to learn a lot this week. And I think Devin's been great. That play looked phenomenal. But I think I don't think that was at, designed to be like that. And you know what I'm saying? I don't it's think not. It, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but great play. Liam said at the beginning of the year on media day, he said, my favorite thing about him is going to be that he keeps intangibles alive. And um, so let's see what happens, man. I think that uh, he's going to do that all year. We saw that he doesn't run until the last second he has to, and I think that's going to benefit him. If we can get these playmakers to start making plays. Listen, I know uh, Ray Davis has been great. Uh, Tavion Robinson is going to be great. But, guys, this team's not going to go very far if Dane and Barry on don't start picking it up because you need your playmakers to be playmakers. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, and and going back to running back play, um, this I I don't I don't think this team is going to be very good as well either if they don't get um, if they don't do good on first down. We we saw a lot of second eleven, second and twelve, and and Stoops even alluded to it today how you know six seven eight years ago his offenses weren't going to last at all. They had no chance in the game doing that. Um, luckily, there's been more skill come since then. That uh, that that's no longer as much of an issue, but still, you cannot expect your 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 Devin Learys and Dane Keys and Barryon Browns and Tavon Robinsons to go out and get these first downs when you're putting them behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you, you're 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 not giving them in an even playing field when um, the ball is run on first down. But going back to, I mean, how great was it seeing uh, Ramon Jefferson out there? Um, it, it to me, it looked like it, it was great seeing all the running backs involved. And I don't know if you guys noticed, did you see the Chaton McClain where he's on special teams? Um, there's another number four on the team. Um, 
which is Jalen Geiger that was on that was on uh, special teams, and so he had to switch to forty one during when he was on special teams. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. Yeah, well, I, I'm just happy we know to change the jersey, unlike Florida in week one. So that's great. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about a little bit more SEC. How crazy did the Florida knocked off Tennessee? I mean, and not just knocked them off; they destroyed them. Yeah, I think that. I think that. Like that tells us a couple of things. One, Florida still gets up for Tennessee. They almost beat Tennessee last year in Neyland, if you remember. It came down yeah. to uh-huh. Anthony Richardson absolutely trying to chuck that thing, and you know. That always does that in the swamp. I think Florida looks a little better than you thought, but they looked really bad week one. Maybe it's they had a lot of transfers. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe Tennessee people are starting to figure out that offense and that Joe Milton's not as great as everybody thought. Uh, he never was. Never was. He's always overthrown <laughs> it. But I, I know it makes me sound like I'm just putting down the horse down the road. I kind of want to see both those teams play a good before I really analyze that. I think – body of work for them. I know Kentucky's not played one good team, but I think they've both been so hit or miss. Like, I kind of want to see both of them play somebody else. But I think it was awesome seeing that because, I mean, it's no secret we all hate Tennessee. They're my least favorite team even over Louisville. But Mine I, too. Thank you. And I, I, it's not close for me, but I think Tennessee's not as bad. Maybe Florida's not as good, but I still don't think Florida's a good a ranked team. And I think if Kentucky could get the center position – Right tackle, play a little better, get Horsey back, get Dane and Barry on back involved in the defense. Stay good. I think Kentucky can still beat Florida at home. You know what I mean? Let's see how they play this week. But, you know, you talk about the SEC. Bama looked bad again. Uh, Georgia looked human. South Carolina's O-line just – that may be as bad as we were last year on that O-line. And I, I think Missouri's kind of looked better than I thought they would. But I think the SEC's not as good this year – Overall, as we usually just dominate, and the, you know what I'm saying, so I think it's on the table for Mark Stoops and company. If now I do, I think we're going to go to the SEC championship. No, I think we missed our window when Georgia wasn't playing as well. But I think it's it's you you can do stuff that you've not done before here if you're if you're careful. Yeah. Um, so oh, sorry, Brad. No, I was, was going to say um, uh, coming into the season, I had my doubts about Tennessee in the first place. I'm um, not saying that I anticipated them to lose to Florida. Uh, so, to me, t- Tennessee is is going to be who I thought they were. Florida, I mean, they always beat Tennessee at home. So, uh, that shouldn't have come as too much of a surprise. Uh, was the last time they, they won at Florida? 2003. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2003 is the last time that, that uh, Tennessee won in, in Gainesville, which Kentucky has won twice uh, in Gainesville since then. So, shout out Kentucky. Um, but – yeah, I mean, I think the conference as a whole. Uh, I'm still not ready, like, to get on the Alabama's going eight and four train yet, like we talked about preseason. Um, but, um, but certainly, uh, Alabama <laughs> never is said not, they were. <laughs> uh, Alabama is certainly not um, Alabama. Uh, Georgia, like Dylan said, has looked human these first three weeks. Um, I think you know once uh, Lad uh, uh, McConkey comes back, that like their their offense will be better. Um, but um, South Carolina's o- O-line looks horrendous. Uh, Florida, we just mentioned, we just talked about them. Um, I'm still not sold on them. Uh, Missouri looks better than what we thought. Um, but And um, then Ole Miss looks pretty good. So that's uh, uh, pretty good. Uh, LSU looks uh, – to me, that Florida State game was 
an anomaly. Uh, I think LSU is still a really good team. And uh, I think that game was back and forth for three quarters. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I think LSU wins out and they'll represent the West uh, in the title game. But um, and I think they'll make the playoff. But um, whoa. Yeah. I think LSU makes playoff. Um, And then A&M. Like I told y'all preseason, they, the A&M hype was unwarranted, and they proved that against Miami. Uh, Mississippi State looked horrendous against a decent – against a good opponent. And, I mean, just yes, uh, Arkansas lost to BYU at home. Um, so, so the SEC, man, I mean, like, it's just <laughs> – it's – I hate to say it, but it's not good. And uh, no. which, which that bodes not well what we're, for, Not what we're accustomed to. No, not at all. And, and that bodes well for Kentucky. Uh, because I think our potential is certainly there, like we talked about already. You know, it's about uh, getting better and uh, executing. And um, um, but yeah, um, I the the SEC is very much down. And then the last, honestly, I think the best conference in college football right now is the Pac-12, and, and they're not even going to be a, a thing next year. So um, so Pac-12 is going out strong. Uh, with that said, I still don't think that they get a team in the playoff. But, um, but yeah, so overall, the SEC is down. Pac-12 looks good. ACC is awful. Uh, Big 12 is awful. And, and Big 10 is pretty good. So. so, first off, Dylan, I have a couple things here. Are you a friend or foe of Dion, Dion Sanders? I like or do I not like Dion? Yeah. I'm all in on Prime, baby. He ain't hard to find. <laughs> Are you? He's, uh, I think he's great for college football. How crazy is it that he could change that program that quick from going 1-11 one one last year? I think that – I think he's awesome for college football. I think it's good Hello? to get a different – I think it's good to get a different face in there. I think it's good to see somebody else doing it. Doing it, I think it's good for Uh-oh. college football just to have somebody else that's not like – it's not just the same old dudes we've always seen. I do think he's going to eventually kind of fall off this season just a little bit. Uh, but just because I think when you get into tough play, like there's going to be some holes starting to show. You can't completely revamp everything. But, I mean, yeah. Vegas had him at three and a half, guys. I hope <laughs> he keeps it going. I hope they beat Oregon this week. Well, well these next two weeks they play Oregon USC back-to-back. So we're going to find out a lot about them. Yeah, I hope they beat them. I really do hope they beat Oregon. I'm all in. I think everybody gets to have two teams now, Colorado and whoever you pulled for before, because <laughs> I think Prime is changing the game. And I hope he lands a big, super, ultra big job, because I think it makes it fun. I've been tired of – you know, we used to say every – is Alabama really going to make the playoff? That was the talking point on every <laughs> show. Is, uh, is, is Kirby Smart finally going to overtake Saban? I mean, I'm tired of hearing that after the 17th Somebody year. Somebody watches a lot of Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> yeah, like, Paul, this is Joe. Paul, this is Joe from Texas. And uh, are we really back now that we're coming to the SEC? Like, I, I like Paul, I saw that Saban bought a vacation home. Is he quitting in a few months? Like, I'm so like, let's all right. This, this is good for college football. And I think that he's good for college football. And guys, he's not doing, I know it seems hokey sometimes. But, like, the thing about Prime is that's cool. He's not doing it like – when he's cutting edge, he's not doing it like telling these young men to break the rules and trying to be the bad guy. He's just yeah. doing it a different way. He's a super respectable guy. You look into Prime and, he's you know, he's done things right. And I, I really like Prime. So, I, I think it's cool. I, I want a Colorado shirt. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest. I I was very much not on the on the prime train uh, when the season first started, but I mean the way that that Colorado State game because I'll be honest, like going into that game, I was pulling for Colorado State, but the way that they played, and I, I feel like they were just dirty and just really rubbed me the wrong way. And I really just like the way that Prime handled himself and that his team handled themselves. Um, I'm, I'm starting to come around to it. Uh, and, you know, like that's big for me because if you ask me two weeks ago, I'm like, I hope he loses every game, you know. Uh, but um, I, I'm starting to see – and, like, I've also watched some more videos on him and stuff. And it, it, he seems like a really good person. And he has his quirks, but everybody does, right? Um, so – yeah, oh, definitely, most definitely. Uh, so, so, I, so I'm start, I'm starting to come around to the idea of me liking Prime. And I mean, like, I was watching Paul Feinbaum, ironically enough, uh, after Week One, and I forgot what day I was watching. Like, it might have been a Monday or Tuesday. That's what the entire show was about. That's that's all they talked about was Deion Sanders. And now, now how? I mean, you can't tell me that the Colorado football had probably never been mentioned one time on the Paul Feinbaum show before that. And just because he's there and, you know, he's got Shiloh and he's got uh, Shador and then Travis Hunter, which, uh, you know, hope I hope he's okay. Um, I saw he's going to be out for three weeks, though. I think it was a lacerated liver. That, uh, that, dude, that dude that made that hit should be suspended for like three to four games. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. he, that was the dirtiest yeah, he, play I've seen in a long time, and he wanted to do that. I don't know how you yes. don't get thrown out for that. That was awful. Yeah. I, I have no idea how that wasn't. Yeah, I don't know how And it, it does make like, it a bigger exactly. deal that it was Travis Hunter because he's the biggest name in college football right now probably. But like Definitely. That, but I don't care who it was. That, was. that ball was already been thrown. It hit the ground. That guy should be suspended for a few weeks. Definitely. And, um, and I mean, uh, like the prime effect has certainly done wonders on me because after that UK game on Saturday, I was about to head to bed and then that game started and I stayed up till what was like, was the game in like, like, it was like two twenty o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I stayed up till two thirty in the morning watching like the battle of Colorado. I, I guarantee you that has never happened in my life. Um, and, um, and here's the thing, uh, Colorado beat a team in overtime by eight points that they shouldn't have beaten by 30, but no one's talking about it because it's prime. So, I mean, like, that's the effect he's had on college football. Now, uh, Braden, you uh, you mentioned that. Does does that make you think this team may not be as good as as, as fans and, and media of sorts were, were hoping for? Um, not necessarily because, like, I think the rivalry game factor plays a lot into it. I think Colorado yeah. State was definitely very much up for that game. And, sure. I mean, like, the – Emotions were really high, and just I think there were a few factors in that game that made it closer than it would have been otherwise. Um, but I mean, like I don't think that they'll win these next two weeks against USC or Oregon. Um, so uh, they'll come back down to earth a little bit. But I mean, I mean, I will certainly say these last three weeks have been pretty fun watching uh, what he's done out there. And and like I said, I wasn't very much not on the on the hype train, and. Um, but I am starting to come around to it because I, I do see that, you know, he he leads his team the right way, and, and that matters. And, I mean, honestly, I'm not saying, but once Nick Saban's gone, I, I wouldn't I, – I mean, I know oh, people – don't say it. Don't say I it. I know people aren't going to think it's a good fit, but 
I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard him talk about Nick Saban, but he talks about Nick Saban like he's like, you know, like he walks on gold. And that's um, how Bruce Pearl talks about Kentucky. And I don't think hey, Bruce Pearl well, – Bruce Pearl's never going to be working in Lexington. I know, but I think we all know that <laughs> Deion Sanders is a little more uh, – uh, What? I mean, Bruce Pearl's had some Final Four teams. Yeah, but he's, but he's also had, um, you know, a lot of – I'll just say some uh, run-ins with the NCAA. Um, <laughs> but um, Well, so did Cal. Well, that all right, well, listen, I, I, whatever. <laughs> but – what I'm saying is once once Saban finally says his goodbyes in Tuscaloosa, I guarantee you that one of the first three calls that they make will be to Deion Sanders. Mm. And it won't be to Dabo. Dabo <laughs> Dabo's, Dabo's not getting anywhere near that job. He's not sniffing it. Dabo may be out of Clemson, but for too long. Maybe like no, Alabama no, State. No, no, no. It, I know it's a fun social media take to make fun of Dabo. But now let's not forget oh, that now let's not forget to, that Clemson was going five and seven before Dabo got there and he won two titles and took them to four. Well, they playoffs. might go five and seven this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're pretty close to it. Yeah, so. now they're gonna. I mean they're, they're gonna, gonna get. Well, I don't know. They're gonna uh, struggle, but because he won't change and stuff. But like, there's no reason to act like Dabo wasn't wasn't the maybe just, it was definitely the second best coach in college football for a long time. If, well, if, no, that's, well, that, that's fair. But, I mean, I'll, I'll ask you this deal. I mean, I, I agree that, you know, even, what, four, three or four years ago, Dabo would probably be the first or second call that Alabama would make. Do you oh, think that he's in the top three now? No, he's not in top three. But I'm saying to say he's going to be gone out of Clemson very Oh, yeah. Soon, no, I mean, I mean like, that, that's just me playing it up a little bit. Yeah, I but, mean, uh, Cal, but, yeah. Cal woke up on third base and he's had a few bad years, and he ain't, <laughs> and he ain't getting ran out of town. Like, he ain't getting ran out of town. Dabo woke up not even out of the dugout yet and made them a dang near dynasty for a few years. That man could live there for the rest of his life, go five and seven for the rest of eternity and wouldn't get ran out of that place. Well, Cal also has a $40 million buyout. So, they're, you know, they're, uh, their circumstances are slightly different. <laughs> well, um... Guys, it was announced today. I think BB and Twitter is in a little, in a little bit I of know a where frenzy. You're going. Boo! Boo! <laughs> so the time got announced. First time since 2003 that Florida is going to be coming into Lexington for a noon o'clock for a noon game. <clears throat> Guys, I I don't know how much you realize. Growing up, a Kentucky football fan. Well, I'm sure you guys know, but. That's a game you can count on being – it is sold out, but having a nighttime game under the lights, Kroger Field, Grove Street's jamming, all the crowds – the entire crowd's on their feet. They're going crazy. Are we going to get that this year? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure it's going to be electric. I'm sure it's going to be fun, but Kentucky doesn't have a lot of big-time noon games. And, Dylan, you and I have talked about this, I think, before – um, just kind of how the way the SEC schedules these things. And, um, of course, prime time's 3.30. The next best game is usually that 7, 7.30 slot on ESPN. It's still a good thing that Kentucky's going to be aired on ESPN, um, which Maybe. all in all is going to get more views than that SEC Network game. But at the end of the day, do you guys think this is a, a little bit of a disadvantage for the Cats, having that – we, we all knew it was going to be a home game? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's going to – the, there's nothing like a night game anywhere, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be uh, 
I hate it. I hate it, but I get it. And it's gonna I think it's gonna be a new norm, honestly. I think that when you have a game that's of decent stature, they're no longer gonna load up all on night games. And um so but I, I hate it. I think that it's gonna hurt us in the atmosphere by uh you haven't seen this much and I hate it. I, I love night games. I know it makes me work super late there, but I absolutely love a night game and I, this it's worth stay. every moment. Huh? I said it's worth every moment. Yeah, and hopefully that the crowd still gets into this and everybody gets in there and they're not like drunk out in the parking lot and don't get in the stadium before kick and like hopefully it still sells out. Like, you know what I'm saying? No, if you're listening to this, you better get in the stadium early oh, because I mean, especially like week one, I, I know there's a whole new thing with that, with the beer cells and, and, and all of that, but it's, it was a little tough um, for those fans getting into their seats um, early on. Um, especially for that first noon game. So with everybody wanting to tailgate and, and, and all that stuff, I hope, I hope folks realize that team needs, needs fans butts in the seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it'll certainly uh, hit. Um, it'll g- give the environment a little bit of a hit, but I still think it'll be sold out. The crowd just may not be as buzzed and energized as into it as it would be at night, but I still think it'll be a sold out crowd. And I still think it'll be a, a really good atmosphere and I mean, it needs to be because a fan energy is going to get this team up. Um, you know, you know, it's we saw what it did in 2021. I mean, that, you yeah. can make an argument that that team won because of the crowd. Oh yeah, most definitely. And uh, like, it's it's um, it's one thing to play a game at night. You know, you have the anticipation all day. You get juiced up. You know, I mean, the players come out ready to go. You know, noon game, you can kind of you know sleep sleepwalk your way into a noon game. So so the crowd is going to play a big part in getting the team amped up and ready to go. So BBN, get there, get there early, get in your seat, make it loud. Uh, I know the the atmosphere won't quite be a, a, a night game uh, atmosphere, but we can still make it a great atmosphere. And, um, you know, like I hate that we're going to play this game at noon. Um but like you guys said, especially with that 330 uh, SEC game going away next year, I, I think this is going to become more of a trend where you get these noon SEC games, um, which we've ha- we've had noon SEC games in the past. But this game last year, everybody yeah. was expecting that game to be a night game. Which that was, what, like an 11 a.m. local time kickoff. Local time, uh, yep, exactly. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, but really, I mean, we've had those noon SEC games, but – it always seems like they're on the road, and like I feel like the only home SEC games we ever play is Vandy. Uh, from, I mean, and I could be wrong, but if I remember correctly, other than Vandy, uh, like the last time we played a home SEC game at noon was 2020 against Georgia, um, and I, I think that's right. I mean, I can't think of any other home SEC game we played at noon other than Vandy, and then Georgia. Even- you said you said Georgia and COVID year, right? 2020, yeah, and then yeah. I mean, and then like before that, other than Vandy home SEC game at noon, was it was it Georgia 2014? I mean, we rarely play these noon SEC games uh, outside of Vandy at noon, so it's gonna be like a little different from a fan perspective. But hopefully, the atmosphere will still be uh, really good, and I mean, the players will certainly need it. So because Florida is definitely better than uh, than what we expected, I, I still don't think they're top 25 good like I know they sneak their way in this week but I think that's more more just the thing they have a gator next to their name than them actually being top 25 good um so I mean 
first SEC home game. I know it's a nooner. I know you're not going to get to tailgate all day like you want to. But still, you can tailgate after the game. Once we win and celebrate, you can have a party all day. And then you don't have to worry about going in the game and, you know, having the entire uh, Lexington police uh, tackle you like what happened the other night. Um, so, you know, just, you know, get there early, get ready, go in the game, get rowdy, you know, celebrate the victory in the parking lot, and let's make Saturday, September 30th a fantastic atmosphere. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. I agree completely on that. Um, Braden, you'll probably quote me on that, but <laughs> but it's okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I, I do think it's going to be a fun atmosphere, and it, it's going to be one that hopefully Kentucky BBN can 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 show up early and show their support. So, um, quickly before you guys go, yeah, what is to watch the Browns at eight fifteen? <laughs> What, uh, what what do you guys see from from Vanderbilt? I mean, I, I, we haven't gotten to talk a whole lot about them. They've got some really good wideouts. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me, Braden? <laughs> because you told me Vandy was going to be vastly improved, and I'm frankly, I'm not seeing it. Well, they got they they were pretty close. <laughs> they had some they games it came down to the Yeah, you're right. They so were close yeah, to yeah. So. Um, well, I think but, I mean I think Vandy is I think they've got good receivers, a decent quarterback. I do think they're going to struggle in the run game, struggle in the offensive line. I think it's going to be a good setting step for those safeties. We'll see how they do. I think if Kentucky does find a way to lose this game, which is possible on the road, I think then you're in for a very very long season. I think you need to just get a win here, get out healthy, and then let's see what you've got against Florida. I think I think the Cats are going to pull this one out, though. I think they actually are going to probably win by about seventeen. Would be my pick, um, but I, I, I wouldn't bet the game either, though, because they would've been so up and down. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm honestly, I'm feeling really good. Um, Jordan, you know that I had my Vandy uh, reservations coming into the year, um, and uh, to me, those have only been proven right. Um, they have not looked great, uh, even in their. Um, even in one of their wins against Hawaii that, that they should have won by, you know, three, four possessions. It was a one-possession game, and it came down. Oh, that, to, was, that was week zero. So I, mean, I, don't, I don't care if it was week negative two. I mean, that's what happened. Um, but, yeah, um, so Vandy doesn't really impress me. I mean, like, they have, you know, you got Will Shepard, who's going to – who's definitely the best receiver Kentucky's played up to this point. Um, and, you know, they have some guys. I'm not saying they don't. Um, but – Overall, at the end of the day, uh, I think it'll be a, a pro-Kentucky crowd. Um, so, And then, of course, first time we're playing in a construction zone since the uh, Commonwealth Stadium renovations of 2014. Um, so I like Kentucky, and honestly, I like Kentucky to make a statement on Saturday. So I'm going to take the Cats. Give me Kentucky 38-13. to 13. Wow. I, like, I, okay. I'm really liking like a statement game right here. So even like dating back to 2018, which is the best Kentucky team I've seen since I've been alive, um, and I will take that to my grave as as up to this point, that's what I've seen, and it's it's not even well, it's close, but it's not as close as people may think. That game was a struggle in in, in Lexington, um, and I know the, the, the weather took took effect in that game. Like the wind was bad and. And Kentucky had a ground and pound, but that's what that team was anyway. So, you know, who who, who really knows? Um, 
I think it may it may it may be pretty close. I do think Kentucky wins. I, I maybe a touchdown or two. Um, but I think Kentucky fans may have to sweat. And I, I, I don't think that's you're playing in a weird environment. You're gonna be under a tent in your locker room. So um and, and, and that's such a weird way for those freshmen to get their first taste of in of an away game. Um and, and I know they've played in high school and everything, but they're probably prepared for I, I honestly I don't know what they're prepared for. I'm not even I don't even know what I'm prepared for because that stadium is a mess right now. Oh, sorry, the Monday night football game is to come on. Um, so with that being said, I think we've got pretty much everything taken care of. Dylan, thank you so much for coming on. Um, catch all your work at a sea of blue photography and, and, and you've got bluegrass banter as well. Um, where you host that podcast. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, thanks guys. I appreciate it. All my work is um, a sea of blue.com. I work for SB nation with through a sea of blue and I really appreciate you guys having me on. You can subscribe to our podcast, bluegrass banter. You can find my work on Twitter at Dylan Ballard underscore UK. We really appreciate you guys having me on and you guys have a, you guys, um, thanks for having me. Uh, hopefully we're coming yeah. next time I'm back on here. The cats have uh, got a few more wins under their belt. Absolutely, man. It was, uh, it, it was great having you on as always. Um, with that being said, man, I'll see you this week for some practice stuff. Um, I guess, I, I guess, uh, <laughs> Mr. Crocker, we'll talk to you next time that uh, that you're available, Braden. I'm so, always available, my friend. With that being said, uh, Braden, go watch your Browns. Dylan, thank you so Woo! much for coming on. It's been fun. Next week we'll be celebrating a win against Bandy, and uh, we'll be looking forward to this Florida game. Thank you, guys.